This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. Visit SmartGolfDeals.com for promotions and savings. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Oh, good morning, Canada. What a lovely day in southern Ontario. I hope you're getting blue skies and sunshine wherever you're listening to GTC across this wonderful country. This morning, I hope you're on your way to your golf course with your friends and or family to play a little golf today. Um, it is a great day to do it if you are staring out your window in Toronto. Bob, good morning. I'm sure you're seeing exactly what I'm seeing, which is... Crystal blue skies right now. It's a gorgeous day. I've already done a little run this morning. Got up bright and early with the sunshine. I love these long days and the mornings that get up there and do that. And if you are going to go to the golf course today, you I don't know if there's a better day than you could pick today. You couldn't if you said how would I do today? How would I make a perfect day for golf? This is probably it. This might be it. I played golf yesterday. Shout out to our friends at Cedarbury Golf Club. It was my first time at Cedarbury in quite some time, Bob. And it was my first experience with Pin Caddy. And I know that you have had a wonderful experience with Pin Caddy. You told me two weeks ago on the air that you were kind of hoping that Pin Caddy stays even after COVID. That you enjoyed <laughs> yeah, it so exactly. Much. Yeah, now I'm not a fan of putting with the flag stick in. I'm, I'm in that Adam Hadwin camp where I will, right. I will take the flag stick out as often as possible. <laughs> However, that's not an option right now, which is uh, understandably so. We all know why. So in, in COVID-19 golf land, I got to tell you, pin caddy to me was the best, the best thing I've seen so far in this environment of golf. It was the closest thing I felt of, of, of what golf has always been like with the ball falling to the bottom of the cup. You know, you're not staring at it going, Ugh, you know, do I have to, you know, do I have to hit it to the side of the cup to make sure it stays in? Like there has literally been a few places I have played golf this year where I'm not aiming at the center of the hole because I see this giant bulge or something that's going to like, you know, maybe prevent <laughs> the ball from going in. I really liked it, Bob. I will say that we had a note from our great superintendent, Rob Ackerman, who sends us a weekly note at Weston and noticed that uh, a couple of people apparently weren't quite sure how to work it and were stepping on it somehow, <laughs> a little flange that comes out. And so there were a couple of busted pin caddies at Weston, but uh, I think the message is finally getting through. But yeah, if you're going to tell me the raised cup, uh, the pool noodle are, are better solutions than pin caddy, I, I will argue with you all day because this one, at least the ball goes to the bottom of the cup. Yeah, 100% and uh, lots of fun. So if you're having, anyway, if you're listening right now and you're on your way to your club, if you're a member at a club and they are using a solution that maybe you're not that happy with, uh, ask your pro, talk to your GM. I'm telling you, pin caddy, I, I really enjoyed it. My first time around and uh, I think we're going to be under COVID protocol for quite some time in the world of golf. So if that's the case, uh, might be time to invest. Now, we have a crazy show for you. Busy, busy show. Uh, Bob Weeks has been the Michael Kane 
of the golf media world this week. And for our demographic listening under the age of 40, Michael Caine might have been the busiest man in Hollywood. He was like 12 movies a year, Michael Caine. Well, Bob Weeks spoke to everybody uh, on the planet. This is great stuff, uh, Bob. Nick Taylor, Keith Pelly, Jim Furyk, Furyk in the field at Colonial, which is awesome. We're going to hear from all of them today uh, amazing 20 weeks of tailor made continues we give away a spider x putter code chaos at the end of the show we're going to give away two pairs team canada code chaos footwear from our friends at adidas golf end of the show winners weird or what with some scully time as we take a historical perspective on where we were in the world of golf a year ago today and it hits home a little more than when we usually take a look back at a year ago as it was RBC week. And let me tell you, we were freezing until Thursday morning. That tells you how good the weather in May has been compared to a year ago where I was thinking, I looked at Bob on the first tee at Hamilton as we were shooting Golf Talk Canada television. I said, I should have brought a toque. We were freezing to death on the Tuesday. <laughs> All of a sudden, Thursday summer hit in Ontario. We got tons to get to. We will get to it today. But first, let's kick it off with some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by the McKenzie Tour, PGA Tour Canada. Tomorrow's stars today. You know what, Bob? I like good news. world needs more good news right now. We're going to give it to them right here, right now. The Memorial Golf Tournament in Columbus, Ohio, will be the first event on the PGA Tour that welcomes back live fans and galleries. Now, uh, as in terms of how many fans, uh, are we going to have grandstands? Are we going to use that smart badge technology that kind of uh, story broke about a month or so ago? Uh, and this will also affect uh, other professional golf uh, tours that we're getting ready to line up and go through uh, Ohio, including the Marathon Classic, which is uh, the LPGA event. So this is great for especially uh, tours that really need gate revenue and need ticket sales. Uh, you know, you and I have been speaking for weeks about how, you know, the PGA Tour is kind of like the NFL of, uh, uh, of the golf world where they could probably get away without having fans. That's got other question marks on other tours, whether they could do it or not. Memorial, going to be the first one out of the gates. You know what's going to be weird is they're playing back-to-back -back tournaments at Memorial, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so one's going to be without fans and one's going to be with fans? I think that's going to be interesting. I'm not sure if that's the way they're actually going to do it or not, but it's uh, there's still some questions to be answered for sure, but this is a, a positive sign. This means things are moving in the right direction, and you know, you've got to think that a decision like this hasn't been made with, um, I think, the most important person in golf right now. And you know who that is. It's not Jack Nicklaus. It's, uh, it's the medical health officer. So I, I think that they're obviously uh, feeling good and feeling positive that, uh, that they can do this safely and um, without real huge risk to spreading the virus. Yeah, you've you got to think they've been crossing their T's and dotting their I's and, and talking about it in ways, in discussions, in terms with the people around the table, to your point, that are thinking health and safety and, and crossing these T's and dotting these I's. And the reason, part of the reason, Bob, why I feel like that, obviously for the obvious reasons, is, you know, we, we are in a pandemic, so I, I get that. <laughs> uh, but we had the Mike Toth conversation last week on Golf Talk Canada Radio in our podcast. And Mike is the tournament director at Colonial. And he was very open with us 
and spoke about how they have agonized over every detail at Colonial to be the first one back and how they have planned for almost every possible scenario that you could possibly think about. And he still said they still get a little nervous because there's always unknowns. And did we miss something that we should have planned for, etc.? And he said, we will really be the, the blueprint for what is to come and hand off to that information to the tournaments then coming behind us. You got to assume that the, that lineage has continued and they feel that by the time they get to Memorial, you know, this is the way to go. Yeah, it's, I'm really going to be fascinated to see how they do it. And I think a lot of people are not just in the golf world. I think people who are, uh, any kind of public gathering, outdoor gathering, concerts, uh, you know, anything like that, or, or even, even, Perhaps some some things that are going on going to be going on in stands. Uh, we'd love to be able to see the return to people being able to attend sporting events, cultural events, whatever they are. So for this to happen, um, as you said, you know, like there'll be a lot of eyes on Colonial next week. There'll be a lot of eyes on the Memorial when they get the let the fans through the gates. Now this is a great segue to a comment that Henrik Stenson made uh, this week, and Stenson la- launched his new podcast this week, which I know you're excited about, Bob. Uh, mm-hmm. almost an hour, I think is the name of the title with Henrik exactly. Stenson. <laughs> I yep. love it. And he is a sharp and witty guy and that should be a very good podcast. But he was one of the first voices to come out in the last month or so regarding the Ryder Cup and suggest that, you know, obviously everybody wants fans at the Ryder Cup. Uh, because I don't know if there's a sporting event in the world, or certainly a golf event in the world that needs live spectators more than the Ryder Cup. That being said, Stenson was the first player to come out and say, I would still rather play a Ryder Cup without fans than to not play it at all. However, now that the memorial going down this road in June, uh, or I should say, sorry, excuse me, July, by the time we get to the end of September, uh, Wisconsin, Ryder Cup, maybe now the real possibility of having a Ryder Cup with fans is back in play. Yeah, I would say, you know, possibly in play. I think it's def- it's it's a definite possibility. I would be very surprised if we saw the numbers of fans, for instance, that we saw at uh, Hazeltine a few years ago or, you know, any of the big ones from, from past seasons. I just think there's so many um, security problems, not safety problems for, for crowds of that size. But at least if you can get some people waving the flags and cheering and uh, and uh, painting their faces with the little flags and things like that, I think it gives it some atmosphere. And I think that's what the players are asking for. And that's what that's what makes this event go. Yeah, you got to think uh, at some point uh, we're going to start seeing grandstands that are a little thinner, uh, separating seats, things like that. COVID-19 grandstands, like straight rows of singles with gaps in between. But I'll take right. anything, and I'm with you. Let's get some face paint. Let's wave some flags. Let's call it a Ryder Cup. Augusta National purchases more real estate. Bob, I I, I wish every listener we have this morning could, it, could see – what our eyes have seen over the years at Augusta National, and for those of our listeners that have been there, they know exactly what we're talking about. It seems that every four or five years or so, you show up at Augusta, and they have accomplished in 12 months what most, you know, most tournaments or even like city planners take five, six years to, to accomplish. 
Yeah, I remember the year we they bought all the houses. Uh, the whole housing development was gone around around uh, <laughs> Berkman's right. Road. There, it was like, and now they've bought. I believe it is their third shopping mall slash plaza in the last twelve months, uh, spending more boatloads of dough. And this, I believe, Bob, is just an extension of what we've been told with where we will end up. And I'm, I'm what I say by we. International media, international TV on the other side of Washington, they're just going to own everything by the time this is done. It's, uh, you know, it is amazing. When I think back to what it looked like when I first went to the Masters, my first year at the Masters was 1993. Uh, the parking lot f- for the media was basically where the new driving range is. There was a barber shop where you could get your hair cut. Um, you know, it was just <laughs> it was just so much smaller than it is now. Uh, but you're right. Outside the gates is of, of Augusta National is is Washington Road, and basically it looks like every kind of fast food strip mall kind of joint across across America. And bit by bit, Augusta has been buying that up, and they've been using it for parking, which for the most part is free. As well as now starting to spread out some of the uh, necessities of, of putting this tournament on, uh, as you said, there'll be an, there, there's going to be a bro- international broadcasting center. They just built one probably ten years ago, but now they need a bigger one, which is going to be across the other side of the road, and they have already built a a tunnel underneath. So imagine building a tunnel underneath Young Street. That's essentially what this is like because it's the major drag in the city of Augusta National. And they just built an underpass just for golf carts and for, for people like us to walk around through there. So uh, whatever Augusta wants, apparently it does. My favorite, Bob, is the year that they kind of, quote unquote, tiger proof the golf course. And we heard that they stretched out 11 and they stretched out this. Oh, and we did a little planting up the right side of 11. And a little planting was no, they transformed the forest. I mean, like, it looked like those trees have been there for 20 years, the first spring we got there. It is unbelievable. It is Disneyland if you're a golf fan. And finally, Bob, Adam and I have been talking. We didn't want to tell you, but we're going to tell you now over the air. We've been chatting a bit. And next year for your birthday, we have found the perfect gift. What do you get, Bob Weeks? You know, Bob, you know, he, he loves golf. He loves curling. I wouldn't know what to get you in curling, but golf, what am I going to get you that you don't already have or can't get yourself? Well, Adam and I found it. Next year, you are getting a phone call, a cameo phone call or cameo tape from John Daly. John <laughs> Daly, so and he will berate you. Have you seen this? For I did see that. <laughs> <laughs> for $750, John Daly will call you. Uh, or send you a videotape message insulting you for your birthday. It's I think it's the perfect <laughs> gift. It's the gift that keeps on giving. By the way, real quick, Mark, yeah, I just yeah, got a call. Yeah. I just got a text from our good pal Bill Paul, former tournament mm-hmm. yes, director, longtime yeah. Golf Canada man. He tells me that uh, they're going to have five thousand spectators at Memorial. So just wow, five thousand. There's but... the number. Okay, great. You know what? That's great news. And five thousand people. You know what? I know that sounds a lot to some people right now when you say 5,000 people, considering, you know, we're not supposed to be gathering for more than five in the the province of Ontario at the current moment. But 5,000 people uh, across 18 holes of tournament golf uh, with all those acres, et cetera, that is that is a very thin scattering of people. Uh, and that can be done very responsibly with the right people at the helm. So I'm glad to hear you that can, number, and that's a and good you step can, forward, Bob. You can, you can bring those 5,000 to my birthday party, too. 
Perfect. Get a nice John Daly message for you. <laughs> yeah. On the other side, Bob had a chance to speak with Canada's own Nick Taylor. We'll hear from Nick next. This is GTC. This segment of GTC was brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by TaylorMade and the all-new Sim and Sim Max drivers. Shape in motion. We reshape the drivers so you can reshape your game. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to order yours today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Could you imagine what John Daly would say to Bob on his berating birthday message? Why are you always running? What are you running from? Stop. Have a Diet Coke and a cigarette, he'd say. That's what he'd say to you. <laughs> I love John. John Daly one time at the uh, the old Skins game out in Prince Edward Island. He uh, came out, hit one golf ball, and he says, let's go to the tee. You know, there's no need for me to warm up because you can't pull fat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a good line. Uh, Bob, Colonial next week, uh, kicking off uh, PGA Tour season. I see Corey Connors in the field, uh, Adam Hadwin in the field, uh, David Hearn on the alternate list, Jim Furyk, who we'll hear from in hour two today. He is in the field. No Nick Taylor in the field. Yeah, I was a little surprised at that, uh, to be honest with you. I thought he might play, but uh, Nick was the only one of the Canadians who decided to go home for the summer. David Hearn has sent his family home, but he's still there. And, of course, there's a lot of issues with having to quarantine when you come back in or certain things. So I thought they would have an exemption uh, for the athletes because there are some exemptions for athletes, but apparently the golfers are not in that category. So Nick is going to spend a little more time at home back in uh, beautiful Abbotsford, British Columbia, where uh, I talked to him about uh, the new look PGA Tour, what it's going to feel like, what it's going to be like, and also that he's getting some competitive golf in. He's playing tournament golf back in British Columbia, which is a really interesting story uh, about how low they're going out there. It's, it, it's explained in the interview, but, uh, but Nick's uh, uh, got the luxury of having one at Pebble Beach, so he doesn't really have to kind of put his foot on the gas just yet. No, already a great year for uh, Nick Taylor in 2020. Let's see if it gets better. Hopefully it will, but I've had a chance to speak with Nick Taylor. And joined now by Nick Taylor, who uh, is at home. He's in Abbotsford, British Columbia, uh, a week before the return to the PGA Tour. Maybe just, Nick, explain uh, what you're doing at home. It sounds like an odd question of what you're doing at home, but but what what's going on? What's your schedule looking like? Uh, well, we've been home for about six weeks. thought it was uh, the best idea for our family to come back to Canada, you know, being close to proximity to family. I guess uh, not that we've been able to, to interact as much as normal, but... Um, being close proximity was was important to us, and so that being said, uh, with having to quarantine both directions, um, it just looks like I'm gonna have to start later in the year, probably in July, uh, closer to Memorial. Uh, it just made sense, you know, having a discussion with Andy, and just being here for an extra month um, just made the most sense because once I go down, I'm not gonna be going back and forth. I'm gonna have to play the rest of the season out. So being gone for four months um, away from them just really wasn't. An option. Uh, it wasn't a good option at all. So, uh, just decided to, to kind of postpone play and and uh, just start a little later. Of course, you have the luxury of having won the tournament. You're in a good spot in many different positions and in many different ways. Um, 
when, when you, as I understand it, when you do go back across there, then there'll be another two week quarantine down there. Yeah, correct. So, uh, you know, if, if you're doing it back and forth, you know, two weeks at a time, it's just a lot of wasted time and, um, just something that doesn't seem like it just costs a uh, time. It's just, it makes no sense. So, um, a lot of word jambled to make a lot of wasted time. So anyways, um, yeah, it, it just made more sense to postpone my, my start. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of great tournaments, including RBC Heritage, Travelers, other events that are some of my favorites that I'm going to miss. Um, but it's just the reality of, of the situation and um, just delaying it a little further and, and play out the season. And, uh, you know, like you said, luxury of, of having a win was great. Uh, but also, you know, I, I really do want to play. It's just, you know, it is what it is. Uh, when you do go back, what are you expecting it to look like? Will you be watching carefully on the tournament on television to see what's what's happening? And um, I mean, it's got to be an unusual experience for everybody involved. Yeah, it's going to be you know one positive of of not playing the first handful of events. We'll be able to talk to to friends, players, caddies, everyone involved. Is really what's the new normal like? Um, you know, just with stuff that we've been sent, it's going to be testing before you get to the tournament, testing once you arrive. There's certain limitations you have until you get back a negative test result. Um, you know, social distancing as you're as you're playing, as you're practicing. Uh, you know, staying at hotels. It's not going to be. It's going to be even more confined than we used than we're used to. It's going to be hotel golf course, and that's pretty much it. So, it's going to be different. So, I think there there's an advantage to holding out for you know, three or four weeks, uh, and seeing what's that, what it's really like. And, um, but it's going to be a new normal. I think that's for every sport. It's going to be coming back everyone's life really. So, uh, it'll be very interesting. Any nerves? I mean, you're, you're a new father, would there be any nerves? Do you think going back and going into a place that's maybe a little bit unfamiliar and, and, and a, a method that's a little bit unfamiliar? Yeah, I think everyone has some sort of raised anxiety levels, nervousness of, you know, for us having to travel, um, there's a risk factor there, you know, doesn't matter how small it is, there's still a risk factor. So, you know, I'll take every precaution I possibly can. I think the tour, the tour is doing a great job of doing that. Um, so once I do start, I'll, I'll have a good idea of what I want to do and do everything I possibly can to stay safe. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about your play. How's your game? And, uh, and I noticed you've been making some starts or you made a start anyway on the Vancouver Golf Tour. Tell us about that. Yeah, my game's a little rusty. It's a uh, very limited um, opportunity, I guess, to practice a lot. I've been able to play a little bit here or there. Um, but just, you know, I took probably six or seven weeks off, realistically. I'd, I had a hitting net in my backyard, and I was doing some of that for for the time when I was in Scottsdale. But, um, yeah, the game's not quite what it was when we uh, went into this pandemic, unfortunately. But I had plenty of time. I feel like I'll, I'll be gearing up, but I think I'll get more and more close to the day. And, and I'm really excited to get back to playing. The competitive side of me really uh, is looking forward to that. So it was fun to play the Vancouver Golf Tour. Um, <laughs> I didn't quite embarrass myself, but it wasn't wasn't the golf that I, I wanted to play. But um, it was really fun to get back out and compete. It's funny funny to see your score of 61 and notice that you tied for seventh, but it wasn't <laughs> quite a part 72 course from what I understand. No, I like to easy into it with an executive course. That was uh, called the Golf Club. It was a great spot, so I had a lot of fun. It does give you an opportunity, though, to, to go back and, and – help out or play along with some of the young guys who were out there on a tour that, that you cut your teeth on, right? Absolutely. I, I played up there for three or four years. Uh, it was great to see familiar faces. Fraser Mulholland, who runs the tour, 
um, play with some buddies, see see other buddies. So yeah, it was it was great to come back and, and see faces that I don't get to see as often as I'd like. Uh, Nick, we wish you all the best uh, for you and, and your family when you go down to the states and you get back in there. Uh, travel safe, Thank and uh, we'll check in with you when you get back in action. Thanks, Bob. Already a great year, already a great season for Nick Taylor. And hopefully it doesn't take too long to get back to where he was in his winning form at uh, Pebble Beach. And, uh, boy, he found a little something coming into this year, and uh, I don't think it's going to take too long to get it back. On the other side, CEO of the European Tour, Keith Pelly, had a chance to speak with Bob this week. Bob, I am so looking forward to this interview. This is a... A man that has had a lot on his plate and in an ever-changing environment. We're going to hear from Keith next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by TaylorMade and the all-new Sim and Sim Max drivers. Shape in motion. We reshape the driver so you can reshape your game. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to order yours today. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit WeatherTech.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. And welcome back to GTC. Bob, lots of issues if you are a commissioner of a league, a tour, a CEO, etc., trying to navigate these waters. You know, I had an interesting conversation on the golf course yesterday about, you know, the NHL making an announcement of coming back and and how these things will look like. And I, and I said to myself, I didn't think there would be a professional sports league that could actually do it without fans. Maybe the NBA, definitely the NFL when it comes to TV money. But I just thought NHL, that's that that's a league that still needs gate revenue, etc. Now, to relate that to a professional golf conversation, the challenge is facing a European tour versus a PGA tour, especially when all the majors this year are all going to land on U.S. soil and two of them are going to be roughly within a month of one another. Uh, real challenges facing Keith Pauly in the European tour. Oh, man, I just I can't imagine what, what his phone has been like. And, and I, I will tell you, after I did this interview, um, he was getting right on, the, right on the phone with the governor or the government, he said, uh, to just, you know, for, for more discussions on, on how they could make this thing go. And there's been rumors you know, about the, the financial wherewithal of the tour, um, there's there's all sorts of stress levels I think that both both uh, imagined and and um, and real in terms of, of the job you're doing over there. But so many different countries, so many things going on. It's uh, it's it can't be easy. And and I know Keith's a very talented and a very um, committed guy. But boy, I'm sure he's just uh, he's just feeling it at both ends. Although he was in a great mood when we talked, and he was just kind of like the old Keith Pelly I knew when we were. Uh, you know, he started his first job in golf, as he reminded me, as he started uh, working in the back shop at Weston. Oh, my. That, that There you go. Come full circle on that one. You know, it's interesting, Bob. In uh, my initial instinct, 
when you know this kind of all broke out in the world and you know we got yanked home from sawgrass and and things were kind of really up in the air and for the last two years in in the dark corners of boardrooms in certain governing bodies and tours there's there's been you know rumors and conversation that the PGA tour would eventually buy the European tour and it would all be under one umbrella and uh, my initial instinct when this all went down that was the first thing that popped to my mind is, is maybe this is where this is going to land not that i want that not that that's a good thing or a bad thing it's just somewhere my brain went because of what you're talking about and the challenges well regardless keith pelly has done an incredible job with the european tour since the day he arrived and he's gonna have to continue doing a great job to navigate these waters bob had a chance to speak with keith pelly now, here's Keith Pelly, the top dog at the European Tour and a uh, good friend of TSN, of course. And Keith, uh, what's life been like for you during this pandemic? And then since it set in, how's the family? How are you holding up? I imagine you're a pretty busy guy. Yeah, it's been a little little crazy, to be honest with you, Weeksy. Like, it's, it's a completely different job than it was before. You all of a sudden go from a growth business, a momentum business, to, uh, oh, my word, what do we do now? <laughs> Uh, you know, we've had 30 tournaments that have been either canceled or postponed. And you know, what's what's really difficult is the fact that you never really know when, when it's going to stop and what, what, what uh, your next move should be um, because things change at such a rapid pace. And that's probably been the biggest challenge for most likely all business executives is, is adjusting and being able to adapt and, and having that ability to be able to understand that Yes, this you might not be able to have control of doing this because it could change so rapidly has been the biggest challenge for sure. So, so for you, I mean, for, for the PGA Tour, they're dealing essentially with one country with a couple of exceptions. For you, you're dealing with a myriad of countries, different protocols in every country. It, it must be like trying to nail jello to the wall. I mean, you must have so many moving targets and so many different things you have to consider in trying to put the tour back in place. Am I right with that? We, we play in 31 different countries. And uh, there was one day, and I was talking to, to Jay, uh, Jay Monahan from the PGA Tour, and I said, listen, I've got four calls right now with four different governments in the next two to three hours. And, and literally, I was on the phone, bing, 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 and every single one of them has different protocols, and everyone has different rules and regulations and different opinions of, of when they are going to be able to allow you to potentially play or or relieve some of the restrictions like quarantine or hospitality. So it really is completely different. And what is what has certainly become evident is is the most valuable player on your team uh, in in times like this has become your chief medical officer. We've always had a chief medical officer, and I used to spend time with with him periodically. Now I spend time with him daily, multiple calls because our our comprehensive medical health strategy to ensure that the players are safe, the caddies are safe, our staff and our broadcasters are safe when we get back to play is absolutely critical. And that uh, all the governments are saying that your, your medical health strategy is the key to being able to lift some of the restrictions. So we've worked closely with other sports in to be able to do it. And that's why we are starting in the UK because we have worked so closely with the UK government. You've got those six events to, to restart all inside the UK. What are those events going to look like? What are they going to feel like? Well, they're going to be all behind closed doors at this particular time. It's not till the end of the end of July. And again, uh, everything is predicated 
on what what I hear now is the is the key phrase from our uh, chief medical officer, and that's mitigating risk. If I've heard that once, I've heard that a thousand times. So so in order for us to get back to play, in order for us to have the best opportunity to play in a safe and a healthy environment, we thought that we would play behind closed doors, which is about 440 people. So that's just players, just caddies, broadcasters, and staff. Very, very limited uh, outside of that specific area. Right now we're talking about do we let in a a select group of media even. Uh, Now, that could change depending upon the rules and regulations in in another, um, another month. But that's what our plan is now. And all six events you can drive within three hours. So we're going to create a bubble. We've taken over the entire hotels. So even if you can go out, you're not allowed to go out. And I'm working closely with Thomas Bjorn, who is the former uh, Tournament Committee Ryder Cup captain, who's on our board, and David Howell, who's also a Ryder Cup player, is on a, as the chair of our Tournament Committee. And they, with Andrew Murray, we are spending so much time on it, it is, it is, it is staggering, to be honest. Uh, one of the things you've you've talked about kind of goes back to your old curling coverage days about miking up the players. And I know you guys have been pretty progressive in, in interviews, mid-tournament and things like that. Do you see this as, as something that might be a huge benefit at this time since there are no fans and people are going to get maybe want to get a little more of a look in at, at what's going on and, and how the players are reacting and talking? Well, you, you talk about curling and yes, I had the great privilege of, uh, of, of producing uh, curling, and I'm glad to see that the theme of the curling that 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 modular music created back when I was a producer is still the theme of TSN's curling. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But anyways, uh, can you imagine a curling broadcast without mics? Just wouldn't be the same. No. You know, golf I think uh, really allows it and and uh, and caters uh, and lends itself to microphone on players and caddies and hearing that discussion of why you're going to hit a five iron or should I hit a knockdown six or whatever it may be. Um, for you, Bob, it would be step on a seven. But, um, but, but seriously, it's, it's, it lends itself to it, and this is a good opportunity to try. So we're going to try a couple of different things, and one is microphone on players. Just before I let you go, <clears throat> the official World Golf Rankings have decided to start with the return with the PGA tour. I know you're not happy about that. What is the European tours position on that restart of the world rankings? Well, I, I think I, um, I, I, I sent a note to our players, which then ends up in the media pretty quickly. Imagine that. Imagine that. <laughs> so, um, no, our position, it was, it's a pretty serious topic, obviously, based on the fact that livelihoods are involved. Uh, there, there was not an easy scenario, and I, I believed that that the rankings should have been frozen for the eligibility of the majors and the WGCs, undeniably. Uh, and I also believed that in when the PGA Tour started, the rankings should happen as well, especially when you have fields like like they're going to have at their their events. Uh, however, however, it it was disadvantageous to ourselves and other tours. And I felt that the OWGR board and uh, could have done more to level the playing field. And I, I made a couple of suggestions. Unfortunately, they were, they were turned down. So we voted against the motion. We were the only dissenting vote um, because at the end, 
it is, uh, it's not great for all our players. And we're a members organization, and if our players are disadvantaged, and if I feel that it's not fair that you're losing points or not, not, not just playing, but not having the ability to play, uh, I had a real problem with that, and, and as a result, uh, could not vote for it. Keith, always good to see you. Uh, I wish you all the best in the, for the European tour and for you and the family over there, and uh, stay safe. I wore my TSN red for you, Bob. <laughs> Perfect. You know, Bob, it's very interesting sometimes how the world of golf mirrors the world itself and the fact that there are some people that for a very long time and no one has the right answer standing up and saying, well, that sector of the world can be open and that sector of the world can keep their business and that sector of the world can pay their mortgage and other people are being asked to shut down in the name of safety. And it's weird. Golf world and the official world golf rankings are kind of mirroring that right now. It's like, hold on a second. They're being allowed to play. They're being allowed to obtain world golf ranking points and advance their career and get their livelihoods back on track, so to speak. But my guys, my guys over here that aren't in the top 50 in the world, that don't play the events that uh, are going to be being played, they can't uh, put the ball on the ground and start uh, acquiring uh, world ranking points and advancing their careers for at least another month. Yeah, and you can you know consider what what those points uh, can can do, right? They get you into major championships, into world golf championship events. I mean, Ryder Cup impact for for the European Tour players. There's there's a lot at stake there, so it it would have been nice to see some kind of concession being made for the European players uh, and the European Tour, but um, it's not the case right now. So. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a very awkward situation, and as Keith sort of said, there's no real right answer of how you do it. Um, so I don't, know, I don't know what they're going to do, but I know the European Tour has basically frozen Ryder Cup points via the, uh, the FedEx Cup, or sorry, via the world ranking um, uh, until uh, they start playing. So at least those players won't be further behind by some of the players who are playing in North America. Yeah, at least they could uh, get a grasp on what their team's going to look like and try to control that as much as they could. All right, Bob, on the other side, let's give away a Spider X putter from our friends at TaylorMade. Yes. Who, who wants to roll it like Rory? We'll give it away next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit WeatherTech.ca. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada as we wrap up Hour 1. This portion of Golf Talk Canada brought to you by Cedar Bray Golf Club, award-winning championship golf in the scenic Rouge Valley, just minutes from downtown Toronto. Now with the most flexible and affordable options for intermediate membership programs, there has never been a better time to join Cedar Bray Golf Club. Visit cedarbraygolf.com for more information. I enjoyed my day at Cedar Bray yesterday. I will get into that a little bit more in a sec, but first, Bob, let's give away a Tour X putter from our friends at TaylorMade. Ooh. 20 weeks of TaylorMade, and it's Andrew McBride from Whitby, Ontario. Andrew McBride from Whitby, Ontario. He gets to roll it like Rory. He wins the Tour X putter, and all he did 
was follow us on social media at Golf Talk Canada on Twitter and Instagram. That's all he did to win. He's a lucky winner next week. Six dozen TP5 or TP5X golf balls. Your choice, six dozen. And depending on how good you are, Bob, six dozen golf balls, that could be golf balls for life. <laughs> or two rounds if you're me that's yeah, really really up to you the individual now interesting yesterday and you know me i i am not i've been saying for about 10 to 15 years now that i'm straighter off the tee than ever before but i'm not longer i've actually gotten in my mind i think i'm shorter and that's a physical thing because i can't i can't get my shoulders to do what they they kind of used to do but now, this year, only the last couple times out, so the last uh, time out at Cedarbrae, uh, the last two rounds, I brought out the Sim driver. And I went from Sim Max to Sim. And as soon as I got the Sim in my bag, I dialed it down to 7 degrees, full fade. I put my old shaft in, the shaft that I have in the M3 driver, which I love. I mean, it is visibly longer. It's not longer on launch monitor longer where some uh, scientist in a lab coat tells me that I am uh, 1.8 miles per hour quicker and I just carried that three yards further. You know, on the golf course, I can't see that with my eye. That means nothing to me. I just want to know I hit it in a good spot and I have a chance to put it on the green. I, I am hitting it further than I have in many years and it's visible. It's like... There are some holes yesterday at Cedarbrae I couldn't imagine uh, where they, they came down. And, and I, I tried a friend of mine's product. Now, you know Dave Mary, uh, right? The magician yep. golf comic who was part of Off the Hosel, uh, directed part, Off the Hosel, part of the Off the Hosel team. Well, Dave's got a new golf company called Velocity, and that's Velocity in T-E-E -E at the end. So Velocity.net, if you want to check this out. And you and I have been chatting about certain new golf products that have kind of, you know, uh, had a bit of a silver lining, so to speak, in this COVID environment. The first one and the biggest one being the uh, pin caddy that we talked about. So now that Golf Talk Canada is also on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, Dave's going to join us on Tuesday to talk about his new golf tee product. And it's it's like this interesting kind of concept on this tee where it, it it leans the ball forward on on a certain degree when you tee it up to kind of optimize launch angle so it's in a way promoting the ball leaving the tee at a certain trajectory to optimize your spin uh spin rate speed etc now i used hmm. it yesterday interesting yeah and and you know if you think about one of the areas in the world of golf where there hasn't been a bunch of, you know, we're basically using the same product for the last 60 years. You kind of tease or one right. of them, yet, yet we all use them, right? And I thought of this from a COVID standpoint, which I'm not so sure Dave's even thought about, and I'll find out Tuesday when we chat with him. But right now, these things, you know, you can hit them like six, 700 times apparently, and they don't break. And, and like I said, they're perfect for the driver. That's kind of what they're built for. But right now, you're not supposed to be picking up tees. And I thought about right. this. Someone even mentioned this the other day to me, right? You're not picking, you're not supposed to touch tees now. So to have a tee that is kind of your tee for your driver and you stick with that for the rest of the season, this is again another product that might do well in COVID. 
it's uh, it's a good, cool story. I, I like that story. And I mean, any, any kind of distance I can get, I'm happy. I will say, uh, using my Sim Max driver and uh, Sim Three Wood uh, yesterday, I drove. I hit the the par five third hole at Weston, which is an uphill par five in two, which is something I don't usually do. So there's a little measurement for me. I can't remember the last time I actually did that, put it on there in two. So of course I three putted, but besides that, um, (laughs) (laughs) the first two shots were really good. Right. See, to me, Bob, the first two shots are really good. But but to me, you hit the nail on the head right there with those two swings because forget and with all due respect i'm not trying to suggest don't get custom fitted in fact the lab's back open at TaylorMade. so if you're in the gta southern ontario and you want to get custom fit go to the lab i'm not suggesting that it really helps obviously getting custom fit and going through that experience is going to help everybody but i mean being told that you are you know two miles an hour faster or something is one thing going out on your golf course and hitting that par five in two it, that that's the translation a golfer wants when they when they, when they go wow I'm longer like that's when it hits home right yeah exactly exactly yeah. when you can see it and you know what your usual stuff is uh, right. that's to me is when the big makes the big difference so for me this is the first time that has happened uh, in probably ten years I'm going to guess where I actually went oh my I've never hit it there before or the last time I hit it there. Uh, I was a lot younger or something along those lines. So it was great to experience it. Uh, Golf Talk Canada, the podcast, Bob, every Wednesday. For those of you uh, listening coast to coast that don't get hour two of GTC, we will be back with the second hour coming up. Lots to get to. Jim Furyk kicking it off. Don't forget Golf Talk Canada video podcast every Wednesday, tsn.ca. Golf Talk Canada radio now also on Thursdays, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 12 to 2 p.m. ET, 12 to 2 p.m. ET on TSN 1050. We're back, right back here next week, 8 to 10 in our usual national network time slot. And off the hustle, episode 2 drops Thursday afternoon, 3 p.m. ET on TSN4. We're in stream song, and I got to tell you, it might be my favorite episode of the bunch. That's this Thursday afternoon. Coming up next, Jim Furyk, one-on-one with Bob Weeks. Don't forget, first good decision on the golf course, it always starts in the closet. Thank you for listening. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Woodington Lake Golf Club, proud home of the Mackenzie Tour PGA Tour Canada's Ontario Open. For membership information or to book tee times and special events, visit WoodingtonLake.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada Hour 2. The busy second hour as well. We have some scully time. Take a look back at a year ago. Of course, we were all at Hamilton getting ready for the national championship. We'll have a historical perspective, a Canadian Open best of three dub coming up for you as well. We're going to give away two pairs of Code Chaos Adidas Team Canada footwear as well. And, Bob, we're going to kick it off with one of my favorite players uh, on the PGA Tour in just terms of nice guys. I've had the opportunity of working a couple times with Jim Furyk. Uh, 
uh, hosting some events uh, in the Sawgrass area area around the Players' Championship. He's such a great guy, huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. You learn that right away the minute you meet uh, Jim Furyk. <laughs> uh, and he's in the field this week at uh, coming up at Colonial, which is great. It's uh, He's one of my favorite people to interview because he is very intelligent. He doesn't just always give you a pat answer. He had some great lines that you'll hear in this interview, um, and a guy who's you know been playing the PGA Tour since 1994. Uh, this I don't know if he's going to keep going because he's eligible now. He turned 50 on a couple of weeks ago, so he may switch next year. I know he's going to play the rest of this year on the uh, on the big tour, but he may go over to the Champions Tour. We'll see. But uh, as you said, all around nice guy. And we will touch ba- uh, base on that 50th celebration on the other side of this interview. But let's hear first. Uh, here from Jim Furyk. Joined now by Jim Furyk, and uh, Jim, thanks for joining us, first of all. And, and what has life been like for you during this uh, pandemic time, and, and what's the state of your game? Yeah, I think it's been a lot like everyone else. I think uh, when we got canceled back at the players, uh, my family and I, we just kind of decided we were going to hunker down here at home. And uh, like everyone else, we watched the news every day and, you know, it was bad news every day, uh, you know, about the growing numbers. And um, and then as we kind of got closer to getting back to Charles Schwab, getting back to Fort Worth and playing Colonial, I'd say the last three to four weeks I've been playing a little bit more golf. And uh, the last few weeks I've been practicing quite hard and playing a lot. From what you've been told and all the conversations you've had with, with the PGA Tour, what are you expecting when you get to, to Fort Worth? Uh, what do you mean by what am I expecting as far as as far as what the tournament's going to look like what it's going to feel like how different will it be it's going to you know I've never played a, T, a PGA Tour event that didn't have stands tele, you know there'll be television towers but you know no stands no no fans no folks around uh, it's going to feel quiet I guess to start with um, I think you know from a perspective of moving around the golf course and around a locker room setting i think we can socially distance i think i'm comfortable with with that fact the tours going through some painstaking you know procedures to help us do that i think the interaction between the players and the caddies will be very interesting it's something that we're in close quarters quite often uh handing each other clubs back and forth um it just the interaction is very close usually. And so, you know, for, for fluff to kind of drop a bag, move away, me moving, grab a club, hit a shot, clean it, put it back in the bag, move away. Fluff moves in. It's, it's going to take a little while to probably adjust to that and get used to the feel of it. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess it'll be difficult at first not to make any mistakes, right? We want to, we want to social distance and we want to actually provide the right, you know, Folks will be watching on TV. We want it to look and feel as it should, as you know, a social distance event. With no stands, uh, no corporate tents, um, how, how does that look for you in terms of picking targets and things like that? Will that be a change? I will, I'm sure. But you know, we, we do it on a on a daily basis at our home courses. We we play, but it's going to look awkward. There's a lot of greens on the PJ tour that I'm not actually sure what's behind them. Right. Because there's just a block of stands every year we play. And so the backdrops will look different holes. will have a little probably different feel and different look to them. But, um, you know, I, I I'm, I'm excited about getting back. Uh, I think I'm cautious as everyone else, as far as from a travel perspective, from eating, getting meals, working your way around other cities. Um, 
yeah, I'm a little cautious about that, but I'm also excited about getting back to golf and, and, uh, and I think, uh, you know, the commissioner and the PJ tour, they have some big plans to help those communities that we're playing in and to help communities that are on our schedules. And, uh, that's what golf's all about. And I'm, I'm proud to be a part of that as well. You said cautious. Is, is there any nervousness at all if, about going back and what, what's happening? And you're going to an environment where you haven't been for three or four months and the world has changed, obviously. Yeah, it has changed. Um, uh, yeah, I'd probably be lying if I said I wasn't nervous at all. Um, you know, I think when this first started back, back in March, I was extremely nervous. I think there was a yeah, and there was a lot of unknowns uh, about uh, the coronavirus, and there still is. But I think we're all feeling a little bit more comfortable moving around, working around each other, wearing a mask, uh, um, keeping your distance. Um, but we've also been doing that around home in very familiar settings. So to do that now uh, on flights, to do that, um, you know, at the golf course in a in a, in a much more crowded scene and locker room. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's yeah. Am I nervous about it? Sure, I'm a little nervous about it, but I feel comfortable enough. And uh, and I, I guess instead of using the word nervous, I'd like to say I'm I'm cautious as yeah. far as um, you know, just taking the precautions and and uh, you know, uh, we're all in the same boat, right? We, we don't <laughs> want to catch it ourselves, but we also don't want to give it to anyone. So just being cautious about how we move around and, and do things. Jim, we wish you the best. Uh, be safe out there and uh, and play well. We'll be uh, we'll chat with you very soon. All right, Bob. I appreciate. It. Thank you, Bob Weeks and Jim Furick. You know, Bob, I, I was thinking in that interview there. I was listening and and Furick talking about you know uh, the interactions between the caddies and players and whatnot. And then he said, you know, how people are starting to feel more comfortable and knowing when to wear a mask and not wear a mask. You know, if Vince McMahon was commissioner of the PGA Tour, uh, they missed a huge uh, marketing opportunity here. They could have had uh, player masks. We all could have bought buy your players' favorite mask. The merchandising opportunities would have been through the roof here. I think they left some money on the table. I I think, and I suggested this to uh, to someone the other day. I said, why don't you have everyone like if in your pro shop sell like you know uh, Toronto Hunt Club. On logoed masks, and I That's think just like a logoed shirt, they could be like collector items. That's like, can you, can you imagine getting one from the Masters? Yeah, right. get one from the Masters. That's what. Well, what <laughs> exactly? About, well, let me throw something. What about when we get to November and we have patrons at Augusta, all in green with the logo? I'm telling you, this could be. Uh, I, I, you know what? I don't. I, I'm partly kidding, obviously, with the Vince McMahon reference, but I'm partly. Uh, suggesting don't be surprised if this comes. Do not be surprised about it. So uh, most people are always looking for a way to turn a buck, Bob. That's <laughs> Golf now, Talk Canada. We're going to have our own logoed ones too, I think. <laughs> All right, before we go to the other side and go for some scully time, you know, Jim Furyk does turn 50 this year. Obviously, uh, Weirzy turned 50, Mickelson turning 50, a lot of big names, big players turning 50. In regards to Jim Furyk, and, you know, he's going to play the rest of the year out on the uh, regular tour, then start probably start to transition to Champions Tour. But Jim Furyk, to me, Bob, is one of those guys on the right weekend, on the right course and setup on the PGA Tour. He is still uh, just as likely or just as... Um, uh, it's just a good a chance to win as anybody else. I think of a place like Colonial, Harbortown, 
uh, Copperhead, Sawgrass, courses like that. Uh, Jim Furyk still very capable of winning on the PGA Tour. You know what's interesting is he said, you know, the first, say the first three events on the PGA Tour are all basically shot makers courses, uh, and he's won at Harbor Town twice before. So there's uh, there's a a good possibility you may see him with a couple of good finishes right out of the gate. He's I think he's like 160 on the FedEx Cup right now, if I'm not mistaken. So. Um, you know, don't be surprised if all of a sudden he's back in the hunt for another FedEx Cup at age 50. Uh, again, not if he wins or he, or he plays well, it will not surprise me. He also is a former RBC Canadian Open champion, Jim Furyk. And on twice. the other side, yeah. twice, that's right. And on the other side, he loves that RBC Shield, Bob. If, if RBC is a sponsor, uh, he's got a chance to win the golf tournament. He's got like four exactly. of them. Okay, so. Exactly. On the other side, uh, Adam Scully joining us for some Scully time. We will look back on a year ago in the world of golf, and there will be an RBC connection to that as well. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Woodington Lake Golf Club, proud home of the Mackenzie Tour PGA Tour Canada's Ontario Open. For membership information or to book tee times and special events, visit WoodingtonLake.com. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Tourism Ireland. World-class courses, spectacular locations. Whatever you're looking for in a golf holiday, Ireland has something for you. Visit GolfAwayTours.com to book your Irish golf adventure. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. And welcome back to GTC as we continue today's very busy show. And now it's time to welcome in master producer himself, the bomb maker, Adam Scully. Skulls, how's, uh, how were the bombs this week? Did you play a lot of golf this week? Are you still uh, hitting obscene, uh, very obscene numbers off the tee? You know, the, the bombs are going okay. They're going straight, which is the important thing. I'm on the tee in about uh, three hours and 15 minutes. As we spoke about uh, many times earlier during the week, because I was texting you during the round, I had it under par at Baby Country Club through 11 holes, and then I collapsed and unfortunately shot 73, but hopefully can get under par and hit some more bombs later this afternoon. <laughs> hey, Bob, you ever hear that saying where they talk about the different kind of players on the PGA Tour? There are players that get five under par through seven holes and can't wait to keep going. And then there are players uh, that get five under through seven holes on the PGA Tour that say, I can't wait to get off the course so I don't screw it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm always... Uh... The guys who were afraid of going low, you know, you hear that story, and I said, uh, well, I'm not afraid of it because I've never actually been there, so I don't really know what that's like. But, but my rounds are more like three doubles, two birdies, uh, an eagle, and then another double, something like that. Well, Scully, we're getting you. We're getting around with a six in front of it this year at Bayview. Uh, we're gonna, oh, we're gonna. The minute we're able to start to work on this stuff. And get to a driver range and get out to each other's clubs. I, I think 
you are very close to putting up a 68, 69, something along those lines at Bayview. I think we can get there. Okay, speaking of getting there, do you remember what the three of us were doing a year ago and the difference between the Tuesday and the Thursday with my, you know, how delicate <laughs> I am. I was screaming for parkas and toques on the Tuesday. Do you recall this? I do. I remember I was sitting in our studio. You guys were on the first tee at Hamilton Golf and Country Club. It's about 10 a.m. Eastern. It's 10 degrees Celsius, feeling like about six. You guys are shivering in between takes. And uh, and then two days later, it was 19 and sunny. So summer really arrived that Thursday at the RBC Canadian Open. But yeah, as you mentioned, last uh, year at this time, we were playing the RBC Canadian Open, where, of course, Rory McIlroy with a brilliant 961 to win by seven shots coming off the miscut at Memorial. What a performance this was. His fifth final round of 65 or lower to win a tournament, the most of any player since 2010. On the Canadian side of things, Adam Hadwin, the top Canadian, finishing sixth. Ten shots back, finishing sixth, by the way. His fourth Rivermead Cup since uh, 2010 as well. Something to note to uh, keep in mind Shane Lowry with a T2 finish he started to show good form uh, for the Open Championship which of course he won in runaway fashion the next month at Royal Port Rush and one final note on Rory McIlroy after the third round in a scrum we were all in he said the atmosphere today at Hamilton was the best he's ever played in that's that's uh that's a pretty high praise uh from McIlroy wasn't it Bob I mean, it's an amazing, uh, but but walking around, I followed him around the last two rounds inside the ropes, and uh, the crowds were really loud, but really respectful. And, we, you know, we had talked about the rink that has become a, a staple now, and uh, and he said the one difference between something like the rink and the 16th at Waste Management is that when it's time to hit, everyone was very respectful, quieted down. Um, once he hit, though, you know, it kind of went crazy. So I think that's almost part of what he's talking about. Uh, respectful, fun, but loud and proud as well. I, you know, I, I should actually note, sorry, Mark, I should actually no, note, no, go he, ahead, said, he, he said one of the best rounds, sorry, not the best, he said one of the best atmospheres that he's ever played in, and Bob, I, another moment from last year, I believe it was the second round when Mackenzie Hughes put on that Kawhi Leonard jersey, we were running around with our camera, uh, following him around on that hole, that was a pretty cool moment, wasn't it? That was really cool, and and I'll, I'll give you an admission too that <laughs> remember the closing ceremonies when uh, Rory McIlroy put on the Kyle Lowry jersey, and he had it with him. He'd been given it as he was walking down onto the ceremony. He actually had no intention of putting it on. I didn't know that, but after he sort of gave his speech, I said, "Hey, did you want to put that the jersey on?" And he said, "Do you think I should?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Okay." And and so he said afterwards, he said. He, he was really lucky because he said he didn't realize it, but it was a it was a Nike jersey, which of course is his big sponsor. So he was kind of thankful after the fact. But uh, I guess I kind of goaded him into it. You know, it's interesting, guys. Uh, one of the best days I had on a golf course in terms of fun last year, and the weather was not great. I don't know if you guys remember this because we really got blessed with weather. Uh, for the Canadian Open. To your point, Scully, we were freezing to death shooting Golf Talk Canada on the Tuesday, and by Thursday, uh, summer arrived, and the sun came out for four days, and we got great weather for the Canadian Open, but on the Monday, immediately following the Canadian Open, skies opened up with torrential rain, uh, but I was lucky enough to be invited out by Lawrence Applebaum to go play with him on the Monday following the Canadian Open at, uh, at Hamilton. And the one very cool thing... Uh, that they did, and I don't know if this is the first time they've done it or not, because it's the first time I've played in the Monday after the Canadian Open, so I don't know if this is something, maybe Bob can speak to this, if this is something they've done before. 
but they put a little Canadian flag in the ground across the entire golf course for every tee shot that Rory hit in the final round as to, you know, where wow. his, his tee ball was. It w- guys, it was ridiculous. Uh, Bob, the tee shot on 17, the uphill par five was ridiculous. And I mean, like I killed my shot. I mean, I mean, I smoked my drive about 290 up the right side uphill on a par five. And there was a Walmart in between Rory's flag and my golf ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember his drive on the first hole. He oh, uh, yeah. he, he oh. basically had, basically drove it in the crosswalk. I mean, he had like uh, 40 yards or something left to the green. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and, and Mark, they actually did the same thing uh, last year at the CP Women's Open at Magna. I had the opportunity to play the, the Monday after with uh, Jamie Rydell and Lindsay Hamilton from TSN. And they had little Canadian flags in the ground for where Jin Young Ko had put her tee shots. And we actually had a fun exercise on the ninth hole when Brooke Henderson went driver, driver into the par five ninth. So we all decided to go driver, driver. And I will say our good friend Jamie Rydell made a par only using a driver. That's his signature move, though. We've seen this yeah. on social media. Uh, he is driver off the deck guy. He can that, that that's like the <laughs> driver off the deck for Rydell is like the lob wedge flop shot to Mickelson. It's his signature play. Uh, you were seventy three the other day at Bayview. Uh, Dustin Curtailer, your head golf professional at Bayview, one of the nicest guys in the business. Love Dustin. I had a chance to work with Dustin many moons ago. I don't know if you know this, Adam. But after you got off Bayview the other night, Dustin went around and dropped little Golf Talk Canada flags <laughs> everywhere your tee shots were. So, <laughs> you know what? It, it, it was it was pretty funny. Speaking of long, high uh, bombs or hellacious seeds, as my dear friend Phil Mickelson likes to say, I did have a gap wedge into the par five eleventh. So I had 130 yards in. I did Ooh, make birdie. Jump. I was pretty. Uh, pleased with that but uh, in all seriousness uh, the sim driver the sim max three wood as you guys were mentioning earlier it's it's made a huge difference in my game and bob i must say hitting the par five third at weston and two uphill that's a great feat yeah it was great and it's a it's a narrow entrance at the three wood i mean we've been talking about the drivers but the fairway woods are uh, are exceptional as well i'm i'm really really pleased i have a five wood that is almost one of my i would say it's my second favorite club in the bag next to my putter mm. All right, boys, we're going to do a little historic look on Winners Weird and What on the Canadian Open to celebrate the fact that we are a year removed from, you know, what might be uh, the single best Canadian Open ever in the history of our championship, which is saying a lot. Before we get there uh, and look at a more historical look in three dub on what is our national championship, if you could just go with one memory from last year and the the success that it was and you can go in many different places here the uh, the size of the crowd maybe uh, something rory did something mac did etc if you could just go and pick one memory when you think back of last year's national championship what would that one memory be the one that is kind of burnt in your head maybe it's not even words maybe it's just an image bob uh, let's go around the horn what if you could just pick one you know, it's, when when you were saying those words, the thing that popped into my mind was Graham McDowell sinking that putt on the last hole to qualify for the Open Championship, which was, of course, being played in his hometown in Port Rush. And I just, I just have, I, I really, really enjoy talking and getting to know uh, Graham McDowell. He's a super, super nice guy, and it just would not have been a uh, a really good Open Championship without him 
playing in his home course, home field. And uh, and to see him do it with a big, long, curling putt, to me, that was that's something that stood out. It was you know not necessarily about winning the tournament or something, but that was a moment to me that had a real feel-good sense to it. Yeah, and it, you know, you never have you know if that's what sticks with you because there were so many many of them. It's funny what stays with you because that was a a massive moment as well, and uh, and we got so many of them. Adam, if you could just pick one, if it's an image or a moment, what would it be? Well, first of all, with McDowell, it was pretty cool to be in the scrum with him, you know, 10 minutes after he made that putt and just how giddy he was. And he wanted to make sure that he actually was in the field and there were a couple of handlers there with the claret jug so we could take a photo with it and and could confirm that he was in the field. It was pretty cool uh, to be involved at that moment. But for me, it was just before the trophy presentation. We were all standing on the 18th green and chants of let's go Rory and let's go Raptors were going back and forth because the Raptors were in the NBA finals at the time. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about that because of, of how the 18th green sits at Hamilton. The fans were almost on top of you. It was almost like you were in a stadium. It was a pretty cool moment for sure. You know, for me, it's interesting. It, it, obviously, when I'm thinking of moments, it's, it's tough. There were so many of them. Obviously, walking up that 18th fairway uh, with those groups coming home on Sunday and just seeing just that, 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 that kind of amphitheater that you're walking into and, and, and the volume of people and energy it just kind of stays with you. But if I close my eyes, the minute somebody says RBC, like Hamilton Canadian Open last year, the first image, to Bob's point where he got an image in his head, not too sure why, that, that kind of sat with him. For me, it's so weird and simplistic. But it was Rory's shirt on Sunday. Yeah. And, and it was like the closest he could get wardrobe-wise to kind of celebrating Canadiana and being and embracing the Canadian crowd and how he was treated almost like one of our own in terms of just love and support. And I'll just think of Rory showing up in that shirt on the, on the tee on Sunday and that color. And that sticks in my mind for some reason. It's just, it's just unbelievable how sometimes the simplest gesture can, um, can stay with you and, and, and mean a well, lot. You know what, you know what, Mark, he actually told me, Later on, he said that the reason he chose that was because he heard Golf Talk Canada and he heard you say the first good decision on the golf course always starts in the closet. Well, you know, Bob, that does not surprise me, and thank you for sharing that this morning. On the other side, we will take a look back. An all-time winner's weird and what Canadian Open coming from Scully, Bob, and myself. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Tourism Ireland. World-class courses, spectacular locations. Whatever you're looking for in a golf holiday, Ireland has something for you. Visit GolfAwayTours.com to book your Irish golf adventure. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. 
as we take a look back a year ago where we were in the world of golf, it was the RBC Canadian Open. And because of that, we will now celebrate the RBC Canadian Open with an all-time winner's weird and what edition with Adam, Bob, and myself. And gentlemen, the tea is mine. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Well, where do you go with an all-time winner of the RBC Canadian Open? You can go in a million different directions. Obviously, Tiger Six Iron in 2000. You've got some great champions. We've got so many things along the way. But I went more recent, guys, and I'm going more recent because of what we just talked to. How good was last year's RBC Canadian Open? Maybe the best in history. And part of it can all be pointed to one reason and one reason only. It all starts with a new spot on the PGA Tour schedule. It was the lead-in in June to the U.S. Open, a great spot on the calendar, finally setting up our national championship to be what it, it should have been and what it ha was for many, many years. And now I feel really great about where the championship go is going with that spot on the schedule. And, and especially when, you know, Bob, this year would have been a perfect example because Wingfoot U.S. Open, under normal conditions, we would have gone Eastern Seaboard, back-to-back, -back, Toronto, New York, RBC Canadian Open. We haven't even seen how important this calendar uh, change is yet. When we get that lined up again, it's really going to pop. It's hard to imagine how much better the field could could get, though, when you think about it. I mean, last year's field was pretty was pretty deep, and uh, and and if it can get better because of uh, location, boy, let's let's bring it on because I I would I would love to see that. Maybe it'll look like next week at Colonial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like basically, there's only one or two. If you throw in a Woods and a Mickelson, you kind of had everything you needed in the mix last year. It's the only thing you could possibly add to the field. Okay, my weird guys, and for my weird or my what, I'm going to just stick a little personal on my own experience uh, with the Canadian Open because um, it's one of uh, the events that I always get to work annually on my PGA Tour radio schedule. It seems that when we get our schedule every year for the PGA Tour radio play-by-play -play team, there's one or two tournaments that kind of stick with each guy that we end up working on on a regular basis. One of them for me, obviously, is the Canadian Open. I'm always going to kind of be the unofficial host on our team that week for the RBC. And if I go back to 2016, it was my second year on the play-by-play -play team. And as a play-by-play -play announcer, you're always looking for things or wondering what you're going to say in really key, important moments. When someone makes a great putt, when someone wins a championship, and you think about these things. But what do you say... When someone hits a horrible shot, what do you say when someone completely melts down in front of you? And one of my first experiences with that was my weird, Stephen Wheatcroft, uh, you know, journeyman, late 30s PGA Tour. We get to the 72nd hole at Glen Abbey. He needs to get up and down from the greenside bunker beyond the putting surface at, uh, at Glen Abbey Golf Club to get into a playoff and to try to win his first ever PGA Tour victory. And he blades one across the green into the water, hits a bunker shot because of pressure, something you'd see out of an 18 handicap and completely gives away the RBC Canadian Open. I, I, was almost stuck for words, couldn't get it out of my mouth, what I just witnessed. All I could get out was, 
oh my, what have we just witnessed? Adam, do you remember that bunker shot? You know what? I, I do. I was sitting in the Sports Center newsroom, and because you had to sort of hit a, a lofted, like a, almost a flop shot from the bunker, that ball was in the middle of the water. Like it flew 50 yards. Like it wasn't just like a hosel <laughs> rocket. That thing took off and it was in the middle of the water. But I mean, pressure will get to you. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story as well. Years ago, when Ernie Els won the Open Championship after Adam Scott bogeyed the last four, Ernie uh, came to play in Canada. at the, It was Hamilton as well. And um, I was watching him, and I actually saw him blade a bunker shot as well, you know, 20 rows deep into the stands. And, you know, six days earlier, he had won the Open Championship. It's, uh, it's strange to see, but for these pros, it does happen. And I'll put a quick bow on mine here and pass the baton. My what is a very similar experience. The My first event I ever worked for PGA Tour Radio five years ago, my first event as a play-by-play announcer was the 2015 RBC Canadian Open at Glen Abbey. And David Hearn, with the lead on Sunday after 54 holes, I was with Hearn for four days that week. And it was gut-wrenching. Uh, I, I was so personally invested, and you're not supposed to be a homer, but I mean, I lived and died with every shot he made. I called every single one of them. I felt like I was hitting them myself, and I was just pulling so hard for David. What a week it was. I know it didn't end up the way uh, we all wanted it to, but that will never, I will never forget uh, it for multiple reasons. One, my first time, and two, what almost transpired in my first te- time. Absolutely insane. All right, let's move her along. Bob, the tea is yours. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! <laughs> Look, it went further than your ball. You know, guys, when it comes to the history of the RBC Canadian Open, they've had a lot of great winners, and you go down and look at way back and see names like Sam Sneed and uh, Tommy Armour and things like that. But the one that stands out for me, of course, and you knew this was coming because it happened at my golf club, at Weston Golf Club, 1955, Arnold Palmer making his first professional victory the art the well it wasn't the rbc canadian open but the canadian open and uh and that's something that that always stayed with him and i i I thought it was kind of a neat i've had had many chances to interview him over the years before he passed away obviously and he always regarded that as a very important win for him the first one he was certainly a a big hit prospect he was the u.s amateur champ uh turned professional and came in there but um, it's always nice to look down the list. When you hear a lot of winners these days, they say, wow, you look at the names on this trophy, and uh, and the ones they'll name are, of course, they always seem to include Arnold Palmer. So that was that was a neat victory, and it's a neat thing to happen at your home club. I love the statue, the commemorative statue at, at Weston of Arnie, that, and, and, and everything goes along with it. And Arnie loved Canada. You never forget your first. And he also listed uh, the par three fourth hole at Scarborough Golf Club as one of his top 18 holes anywhere in the world as well. So Arnie loved Weston. He loved Canada. You never forget your first. My weird goes back to uh, the 80s um, when the, the, the Canadian Open had a winner named Ken Green. Now, Ken Green was a pretty talented golfer. He's actually had a traumatic story, uh, which I won't get into here today. We can try it another day, but he was in a basically lost uh, his legs and one of his legs and terrible things. But um, when he won the Canadian Open, he was kind of a controversial guy. And the tournament in those days was sponsored by De Maurier, the cigarette company. And Ken Green's victory speech included the line... 
I'd like to thank Dumier, or however the hell you say it. That's what he actually <laughs> said on the microphone in front of everybody. And everyone was going, wow, maybe you should have taken a 30 seconds to figure out how to say that before you got up here. I actually asked him about it afterwards. He says, yeah, I just had no idea how to say it. It certainly didn't sound right, though, did it? And he's right. What do you think, Adam? Is that, uh, is that a good uh, memory for, uh, for a victory speech? Maybe time, maybe for uh, time for the teleprompter for him, maybe to bring it in. But uh, oh my <laughs> yeah, goodness, exactly, what a slip up! Exactly. Wow, wow. Oh uh, it was interesting, you know. Back in those days, they would always invite the winner to come back the next year to play in the media day. That's when the guys would do those kind of things. And uh, the next year, for some reason, Ken Green wasn't invited back. We, <laughs> didn't, get, we didn't, didn't get to the media day. That's when it all ended. Uh, my what is um, what people might forget about the 2000 Canadian Open. Everybody remembers the shot with the six iron out of the bunker by Tiger Woods. But what they might not remember is what happened on Friday afternoon. Tiger Woods didn't get off to a great start in that tournament. And he was, I won't say he was in real danger of missing the cut, but he wasn't exactly up near the top of the leaderboard. And he finished his round on Friday, the last four holes... He went birdie, eagle, birdie, eagle. And that, to me, was the stretch that actually won him the tournament. I mean, yes, we know about the great shot and everything. But can you imagine that? Six under over the last four holes. What, what a move he made on, uh, with, those, with, those, uh, uh, with those strokes on that part, Mark. You know, Bob, it's crazy because it's and it goes back to what these pros always say. You know, we always remember what happens late on a Sunday, and obviously that's you know the drama of it all. But you can pinpoint certain parts of the tournament to to, to your point. And at the end of the day, uh, the stroke you hit on the first tee on Thursday is exactly the same equivalent to the last shot you hit uh, on the seventy second hole. They all count the same. So to your point, wow, what a move on a Friday. <laughs> Really incredible. And now I think we should just pass it over to the rookie here. Let's go to Mr. Scully for his. Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves and I got to step on one here. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. You know, boys, first of all, I am planning on shooting a video today and saying that exact, uh, those, those words and posting a video. So look, look for that on social media. Uh, anyway, my Canadian Open all-time three dub. My winner, Carl Peterson, back in 2010 at St. George's, which would have held, obviously, the RBC Canadian Open uh, this year, finished the second round of the morning wave at one under par, thinking his chances of making the cut were about 50-50. So he decided to go to the clubhouse, have a beer, one beer turned into at least seven. Rumors uh, were potentially in double digits. Who knows? His caddy actually drove him back to the hotel as he made the cut. Then what did he do? He shot 60 as one of the first guys off on Saturday. Scared 59. Then shot a final round 67 for the one-shot victory over Dean Wilson. I guess, boys, um, you know what a performance by Carl Peterson, especially making the cut on a number and, and doing what he did. Hey, hey Mark? And a true athlete, Adam. When I think of the athletes that have uh, hoisted the trophy, uh, is Carl Peterson not one of those guys that you expect on the front of like a Dutch chocolate box uh, with a lollipop <laughs> yeah. in his mouth? Is he not that guy? But hey, 59, brilliant uh, performance. Uh, wow. And uh, you got to think that uh, the next time around, we're not going to see those numbers. You know what, Adam, i got to interrupt because you, do you Please. know the story about him watching the cut line? Uh, I know a little bit of it, yes. 
so on Friday he sat uh, sat with another friend and they were looking sat in front of the computer waiting to see where the cut was going to go because it was up and down he wasn't sure and he said by the time he realized it he'd he'd had eight beers yeah. so he had to call his caddy to come and drive yeah. him back to the hotel room and the next morning he gets up and shoots sixty I mean come on beware of the hungover golfer I guess right that's yes. it. <laughs> my weird this goes back to the second round of the 2009 rbc canadian open we've seen this on many sports center top tens on tsn par 3 15th hole at Glen abbey leaf olsen's tee shot lands about 15 feet beyond the hole spins back ricochets off his playing competitor chris blank's ball and into the hole one of the wildest aces we've ever seen. Something similar did happen to Louis Oosthuizen in the 2016 Masters in the final round on the 16th hole. Bob, do you remember this? I do, because, you know, there were four hole-in-ones that day. That was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever seen. And BMW was giving a car, and they didn't actually say they were insured. They, they only insured the first one. They didn't realize, I didn't think anybody would make, you know, four holes in one. So they actually had to give away three cars um, <laughs> on their own tab. Normally those things are insured. But that was a wild, that, I've never seen a shot like that. Yeah, it was certainly a wild shot. And as, as I said, it's on almost every sports center top 10 for unlikely moments. My what goes back to 2015. Mark, you were there. What a bounce back by Jason Day. The previous week at St. Andrews of the Open Championship, he had a 20-foot birdie putt that would have put him into a playoff. He left that about six inches short, right in the hole. He was clearly de devastated. There's a camera shot close up with him holding his face, almost looking like he was going to cry. Six days later, it was a Monday finish of the Open Championship because of a wicked uh, wind delay that year. On the 72nd hole at Glen Abbey, this time 20 feet, Jason Day poured in a long birdie to win the RBC Canadian Open with David Hearn and Bubba Watson standing in the fairway looking on. And something I also noticed watching that highlight back, a fan actually yelled in Jason Day's backswing as he was uh, bringing the putter back, but he happened to pour it home for the RBC Canadian Open win. And uh, Mark, that year, Jason Day was uh, on fire. Well, yeah, and later that year, he would uh, just dismantle whistling straights at 20 under par uh, to win the PGA Championship. And guys, if you go back to 2015 and that version of Jason Day, and now fast forward to where we are today, and I know a great deal of it, if not the majority of it, can be pointed to back problems. But if you go to that Jason Day, and a Jason Day that won five times in a season, and a Jason Day that got to number one in the world, the fact that Jason Day is still sitting on one major you know, we had the conversation earlier this week about underachievers, and we brought up Dustin Johnson, uh, one PGA Tour, uh, sorry, one major victory, 20 PGA Tour wins. Is he an underachiever at one? Current, present day. Ricky Fowler, Sergio Garcia, one. Where was Jason Day in that yeah. conversation, guys? Uh, I mean, maybe the best putter in the world. Uh, and he looked like a dominant athlete alongside Jordan Spieth, like those two would play hot potato with number one in the world, and uh, both of them uh, have seen to have really fallen off. Uh, guys, in closing, before we throw the break here, Bob, Ken Green, Ken Green, he was Charlie Hoffman before Charlie Hoffman was green. You know that he's got the green waste exactly. management club. There you go. Do you remember? Exactly. We used to love right. seeing right. Ken Green as, as a kid. I remember watching that as a kid, and he'd have the you know the green glove and the green hat and sometimes the green saddle shoes. Well done, Ken Green. You know, his, you know he has two kids. He has two kids named Hunter and Kelly. 
Think about really? that one. Hunter Green yep. and <laughs> and, uh, and their nickname is Goblin. So on <laughs> yeah. the other side, we're going to give away two pairs, Code Chaos, Team Canada golf shoes uh, for our friends at Adidas Golf. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf, pushing the boundaries in golf footwear once again with the all-new Code Chaos, meant to challenge the definition of what a golf shoe can be. Visit Adidas.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. And speaking of our friends at Adidas Golf, in celebration of Off the Hosel landing on TSN in Canada and debuting last week on TSN, first off, I want to thank everyone uh, who reached out to us. We got a tremendous response on social media from our Golf Talk Canada universe and and, and uh, just TSN universe in Canada who uh, watched off the hosel. Uh, and in celebration of that, we are giving away two pairs of Team Canada Code Chaos Adidas golf shoes. We asked the question on social media at the end of episode one of Off the Hosel, what was the color? of Dave Hempstead's showgirl outfit that he had to wear on the strip for losing the press in episode one. And we would accept it red, orange, pink, anything close. We got tons of response. Congratulations, uh, Jim Rose. He's from Sarnia, Ontario. Jim Rose uh, wins the uh, one pair of uh, shoes from uh, Adidas Golf. And Andrew Dunn from Halifax. So congratulations, Andrew. Congratulations, Jim. You win the Code Chaos Team Canada golf shoes uh, for answering the correct question of Off the Hosel. And episode two debuts uh, from Streamsong Resort, 3 p.m. ET, TSN4 on Thursday. We're having a ton of fun with it. Bob, next week, 20 Weeks of TaylorMade continues as uh, we gave away earlier in the show. We gave away the tour putter, the spider putter. I, I almost forgot what we gave away. Andrew McBride from Whitney, <laughs> Ontario. He won the tour spider, and all he did was follow us on social media at Golf Talk Canada on Twitter and, uh, and Instagram. Andrew McBride wins the putter next week. If anyone follows us, even if you're already following us, you're entered. If you don't follow us, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Golf Talk Canada. Six dozen TP5 golf balls. Bob, that's enough to even get you and I through the season. That's amazing. Actually, uh, you know, we just keep giving away stuff here. It's a, it, all you have to do is listen and enjoy, and you could end up with all sorts of gear. I mean, shoes and putters and balls and drivers, and um, it's, uh, it's, it's just a, a, a treasure trove of gifts for us, for our listeners. Listen, we're one sled and a handful of ra uh, reindeer away from just being Santa at this point. It is absolutely <laughs> insane. So uh, we got another busy week. Bob, the busiest man in showbiz, uh, he's been efforting immensely. And it's uh, also been great because we've got so much Golf Talk Canada content that uh, we just got more coming at you. Golf Talk Canada Radio, Tuesday, 12 
to 2. Golf Talk Canada video podcast Wednesday afternoon. Golf Talk Canada radio Thursday 12 to 2. A special Golf Talk Canada radio Wednesday as well 12 to 2 with a preview of the upcoming PGA Tour season. season what has transpired since uh, we've been gone. What happened before we broke? What's coming up? What's the World Golf Championship? Uh, sorry, official World Golf rankings look like? What does the FedEx Cup look like? Uh, we're going to break it all down and get you set for the reboot that starts Thursday. Uh, Bob, there's a lot to cover to remind people. There are things that I have forgotten when I took a look and went, yeah, I forgot he won. Oh, yeah, man, there are some big names outside the 125, and there is a lot to wrap up before we kick off Thursday. It's going to be a busy day on Thursday, uh, especially after I, I literally, while we were, you were talking there, I literally PVR'd off the hosel for Wednesday, just so you know, while <laughs> I'm sitting on this, the beauty of, of ho- working at home, right? <laughs> but, but yeah, there's so much going on here right now. Um, and, and it's going to be interesting to look back and to see what kind of, what kind of game are all these players going to have? Ha, have people been working that hard on it? What's it going to, I think it's going to be interesting to see who's got rust and who doesn't. Yeah, we'll know the ones that have been sitting around eating donuts and the ones that have been grinding it out in quarantine. We'll certainly know the difference and we'll know it early. Bob, I know you're playing tomorrow, so have a great day on the golf course. And I'll talk to you on you. Tuesday uh, for GTC Radio. And, of course, Golf Talk Canada Radio every Saturday. We're not going anywhere, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern across the TSN Radio Network. And if you missed the show, you can always get the podcast on iTunes or Golf Talk Canada. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, first good decision on the golf course, it always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Adidas Golf. Pushing the boundaries in golf footwear once again with the all-new Code Chaos, meant to challenge the definition of what a golf shoe can be. Visit Adidas.ca. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network.